Hello and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us again, or for the first time. Welcome. We have a guest today, which is super exciting because I feel like it's been a really long time since we've talked <laughs> about health. And not going to lie, I'm excited to talk to someone other than you, Jarrell. You know, oh, pandemic sad. Problem. No offense, but you know, you know, to have another person because we lack that so much these days. <laughs> so please welcome Jonathan Levitt to the podcast. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for being here with us. Um, why don't you tell our audience who you are? I, we already said your name, so you can repeat that if you'd like, <laughs> but just generally who you are and what do you do? Um, awesome. Well, like I said, thanks. thank you so much for having me on. Um, I am Jonathan. I am a runner, podcaster. Uh, I like helping people improve and find their potential and uh, I'm a huge fan of therapy, and we're joking that um, I I have I can only go to the top of the hour because I have my own therapy appointment uh, coming up uh, at three here. So um, thank you for all you guys do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. That was actually a really fun exchange of like, okay, we have to wrap this up before three because you have to go to therapy. <laughs> we have to do therapy. It's just yep. you know, therapy is just running the show right now, which is totally <laughs> exactly. Um, and so it beats I the alternative. <laughs> Yes, it really does. Thank yeah. you. That's our PSA to start the episode. This is actually not what we're here to talk about, but I feel like this <laughs> is important PSA to do anyway. So yes. therapy for all, everyone. Go to therapy if you haven't already, or you know, talk to your therapist today if you have one, but you haven't um, chatted with them th at all this week. Yeah. So I appreciated your intro that you introduce yourself with all of your many hats, because I know that you wear a lot of them. But one thing I think that we're going to talk about that actually brings it all together is that you work for a company called Inside Tracker that I love, and I'm going to try really hard not to just make this a love fest for me, and I'm going to let you actually talk about what the company does and what <laughs> you do and what's important rather than just me. Um, I'll share a little bit about why I love it. But so why don't you just tell everyone what Inside Tracker is and why you feel like it's important just for all of the hats you wear, but then also for the masses. Yeah, so it's 2020 and everybody has an opinion on nutrition. And what's interesting is that nutrition isn't opinion-based, it's fact-based and it's evidence-based. And, um, and that's, that's the lens that we take at Inside Tracker. We remove the opinion and provide the science behind what what your body needs and and what you should do differently tomorrow um, so at our core it's uh, personalized nutrition personalized supplementation personalized everything personalized lifestyle guidance um, all within the context of who you are what your body needs and and what your goals are and the way we achieve this is through using a comprehensive blood test where we've added genetic information we've and we're adding wearable device information as well so that we know how you're going about your day. We know what you're putting into your body. And then more importantly, we know the outcome or how you're absorbing all of that and what, what your body specifically needs and is lacking and, and needs to feel better. Uh, and so essentially we say, okay, we know a lot about you. Do these three to five things differently consistently and you'll feel better. I wanted to like interrupt you and just have you repeat Same. four different times the idea Same. of nutrition is not opinion based. Yeah, yeah. So. I was like, I, I was just thinking, I was like, Jonathan came out swinging and I, I need everyone to hear it. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't mess around with that. It, 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 so I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I see a lot of people, oh, yeah. you know, um, touting that, that their way is the best way. And congrats, you found something that works for you. Um, I find it to be irresponsible to, to push that on other people. And the only thing that you should be pushing on other people is figuring out what works for you. And, and so as a, as a runner, I have a personalized training plan and my, my, um, the other people in our coaching group have personalized training plans. We have similar workouts in that we have similar foods that we eat, but the way it's structured is differently. And I think that communicating it in a way like that helps athletes understand, huh, maybe I should think about um, personalizing my nutrition because um, I wouldn't do the same training plan as my friend because they're different than I am. Um, so <laughs> nutrition is the same, but the problem is everybody eats and everybody thinks they're an expert because they eat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It just, it's almost hard to talk about this stuff without it seeming like you're trying to be really patronizing, but it's so basic and simple. And it just makes you wonder why we're not doing this. It's like, yeah, everyone's different. So right. why are you following the same plan, advice, lifestyle as someone next to you who's clearly not the same person? Totally. And I think the reason that that's happened is because um, listening to a dietitian is not necessarily mainstream or it's not common or it's something mm -hmm. that, that rich people do or people with you know uh, additional means. And maybe some of that's true, but um, at the core we should all be thinking about nutrition and how it works for us versus how it works for everybody. And so again, it comes back to just because it works for your friend or your mom or your, your coworker doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. And so if I'm somebody, you know, I hope I was going to say, I know that athletes are, but I hope that athletes are a little bit more aware of, personalized coaching, nutrition, planning, all of that, you know, not everybody, unfortunately. But if I'm somebody who, you know, I'm active, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a hardcore athlete. I mean, I do, but I'm, you know, speaking hypothetically, because like, you know, I already know the answer to this question, but I just want you to share it with everyone. I say to you, well, but I'm going to my doctor pretty regularly. And like, I know if there's a problem, I get my blood drawn there and he tells me if there's an issue. What do you say to them as to why personalized nutrition, specifically inside tracker, is different and more beneficial? So I would ask the doctor how many hours of of nutrition training they've had in their medical career. Oh, um, and, and the answer and the <laughs> an, no, and it's not it's not intended to be a burn. It's like that doctors but are real. very important for what they do, and their scope they 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 appreciate when others don't step on their scope, but providing nutritional advice is generally outside the scope of any sort of training that a, that a, that a physician has. And most will admit that. And there are people that, whose jobs include and are only to help related to nutrition, but we don't listen to them. And I, I think that it's, the other piece is that when you go to a doctor and you get blood work done, you are being compared to essentially 95% of, of healthy people that exist in the world. That's how the normal range is created. So it doesn't matter that you're white, black, Asian, whatever. 
male, female, uh, 20-year-old Olympic athlete, 80-year-old couch potato, vice versa. You're all being compared within the same lens. So the 30-year-old female that has a ferritin level of 11, which is your storage form of iron, which is technically not low in a physician's normal range, is going to be exhausted. Um, one point lower, so sort of within the margin of error, and they would be they would be clinically low. But many women in particular go into a physician, get a ferritin level in the teens or, you know, 11 or 12, and they're told it's a little low, but don't worry about it. And they go on to not understand why they're so tired all the time. But their doctor told them they're fine. Um, clinically, they are fine, but optimally, they are not fine. Um, and they will be exhausted. Like, there's no, there's no arguing that, that that athlete will be tired if they try and run more than 20 minutes um, because of how biochemistry works. But because of how the normal range works, they'll probably miss any sort of insight as to why they feel the way that they feel. So we get a lot of people that come to us that have been told, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine for years, and they think they're crazy. And they are, um, and they are totally unaware that that there's such a borderline case. But you know, ten percent one way or the other would put them in a whole other category that would raise flags. And so that's the piece where the the specific training around understanding biochemistry applied to sports nutrition is a missing piece. Like you don't know what you don't know, and they don't know, and. And that's the difference. We do it within the context of who are you, what are your needs, what are you currently doing, and where do you aspire to be versus, okay, you're not sick today, uh, you're fine. We believe that good health is not the sort of like our, our guiding principle is that um, good health is not the absence of disease, but the, the um, aspiration or attainment of getting better and improving over time. Oh, I love that. I want to put that on a bumper sticker. I'll credit you. <laughs> give you one percentage of the royalties. Excellent. And you actually I'll, just- I'll probably negotiate something higher, but, uh, but yeah, we'll start I mean, from like, there. We, we can work it out. Like, I'll be fair. But you actually just told my life story, essentially, mm-hmm. is that for, I want to say, most of last year, I was a level of tired on a regular basis that didn't make any sense for me as a person um, because I'm usually pretty high energy, but it would just be just total exhaustion and waited too long, but got blood work done. I have a primary care physician that I know and trust, but I, when the blood work came back, he's like, everything's normal. Don't worry about it. I plug the results in the inside tracker and I'm 30 points below my recommended ferritin level went to fix that. And in a matter of weeks, I'm like an entirely new person. And how did that make you feel? Oh my God. Like a little, both relieved and a little like, not really sure why (laughs) I didn't do this sooner. We're going to do some personal growth around that. But (laughs) it was amazing because, you know, I'm in the back of my head, like as the worst case scenario being like, oh my God, what if I can't run anymore? What if there's something seriously wrong with me? What if I never find a solution? And it was literally as simple as, Hey, like eat some more iron and you're good. And you want to know something that's, that's awful. I've heard that story like 250 times. 
Wow. I can imagine. Yeah. That's just, yeah. And it's just like, it's so, you know, I knew of Rachel's experience, but like to, and I could see why that would be relatively common, especially among fleets. But I just think about like the mental health implications of that, right? Say you're training for a long run or you're trained for these things and you get caught up in the script inside of your head of, oh, like there's something wrong with me or like I'm maybe I'm just cut for this, right? And those messages keep playing in your head. And I'm just thinking about the mental health implications of that and, and the implication that people might give up on things that are otherwise important to them because they don't have this very specific set of data. It's really incredible to think about. Yeah, and it's a good point. Um, how many people probably decided to stop doing something because they didn't feel good? Probably yeah. a lot. And and so, like I said, we we hear this like, it, it, and it's mostly women that this comes from. Like, I thought I was crazy, mm-hmm. and it's usually linked to the iron, which is why it's mostly coming yeah. from women. Um, but it's it's this like it's a story that we just keep hearing over and over and over again. And we're going to keep hearing it over and over and over again, which is sad, but it's also like, it's so validating once you get to the, the answer or the reason behind it. And then you can, you can put action behind it. I have a friend who's a pro trail runner and she came to us as a customer a couple of years ago and her her level was also super low and she had been trying all sorts of different things and um and it took it took uh she was vegetarian and it took eating meat for the first time in years since before college um for her to make a change so not only was she doing the right things with iron supplementation but that wasn't working and she kept testing and she kept seeing that it wasn't improving and so like without having that data to say okay you're taking an iron supplement uh it's not changing but conceptually you think you're doing the right thing um that's a feedback loop that is pretty much unexplainable or or like really strange and really frustrating and so she wrote a blog post uh for goo energy labs her name's Kelly henninger and in the blog post she said i ate a burger won some races and felt incredible again. And <laughs> for her, and it, it's, it's almost that simple. Um, it, it unlocked a level that she had previously been unable to attain. Um, not because she was doing something wrong, but because she wasn't doing what her body, what her body needed, despite thinking she was like, uh, intuitively she was doing the right thing by yeah. taking an iron supplement, do, doing it at the right time, not mixing it with coffee, whatnot. But because she was able to, to continue to tweak and test and versus guess and check, um, she was able to make changes. And um, she was supposed to run Western States this year and she was gonna run her first 100 miler. And um, the, the progress that she has seen from a fitness standpoint by just simply being able to feel good while training has been incredible to watch. Yeah. And that makes, you know, from someone who is nowhere near running a hundred miles, but running some miles, at least (laughs) that it is a mental thing as well. Because like you said, at a certain point, I think all humans default to when there's, when you can't find a fix, we default to, well, there's something wrong with me. 
Right. And then there's something wrong with you. And then it's like, well, I can't do this. And why do I want to? I'll never get better. There's no point to this. And, you know, like you said, people stop. Whereas it could literally be as simple as, well, maybe you need to eat a burger. Maybe you need to, you know, incorporate more food, more of this food into your diet, less food into your diet. And I think that just illustrates how, how important personalized nutrition and healthcare in general is because that advice would only come from knowing what's specifically going on in her body and anyone's body. Otherwise, right. It's just that message of like, well, you're not dying, so you're good. Right. Exactly. And I like to think most of us want to do more with our bodies than just not die. So <laughs> I feel like that's yes. really cool. But, you know, I think you also bring up a really good point with the idea of the example of the person who needed to just starting meat and that's what her body needed is that it also really busts a lot of the nutrition myths that are out there. And I want to bring up one with you in particular because I know what your reaction is going to be, but can we talk about the situation? Can we talk about bread? Let's talk about bread for a little while. <laughs> I um, love bread. bread. I love <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who doesn't follow Jonathan on social media, he often uses the hashtag get that bread. And I'm a fan. Yeah, nice. So we're it's sometimes, sometimes it's literally bread. Sometimes it's like get that whatever it is. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I used to avoid or limit carbohydrates. Like it's almost like, I don't know. Um, people think that to be leaner or faster or whatever you need to weigh less and eat less and this and that and sure it works for a season maybe if you can string it along but eventually that runs out and what i've found is that the athletes my coach has a saying where um he can tell who will who will have a long career in running based on their dinner plate and he means this quite literally like if if you are giving your body what you need and and giving it enough and and the majority of people just eating enough is the biggest um it can be a huge you know improvement mm -hmm. um and so for me adding more carbohydrates and specifically sourdough bread um is uh i mean super helpful like i every couple of not every couple months, maybe every like six or nine or 12 months, I'll, I'll sort of do a little assessment of my diet through food logging on my fitness pal, just to do a little check-in. And every time I sort of, I don't want to say slip, but uh, every time I'm not paying attention to it as much as I should be, I end up unintentionally eating too few carbohydrates. And when that happens, you're putting recovery at risk, you're putting energy at risk, you're putting injuries at risk. And simply by tweaking that uh, percentage or increasing the, the calories from carbohydrates a little bit, um, you just feel better. And the majority, I don't want to say the majority, many athletes are under fueling, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I was in the unintentional camp um, and as somebody who like works with dietitians and talks about food all day and this and that, and I was still coming up short. Um, so it was, it was fascinating to see that. Yeah. I, I bring up bread especially too, because I think it's very much 
falls under the category of this is this food that we're told we shouldn't eat if we want to be like you said leaner fitter whatever and at the same time it's also so individualized and but because we're given all those messages about how bad and i'm putting air quotes on it it is people tend to steer away from it even people who need it and I use this example too, because Jarrell and I often will have the conversation where he won't eat like six pieces of bread in an Italian restaurant, which in my world is crazy, but <laughs> he'll be like, I don't need that much bread. And I'm like, everyone needs that much bread. And he's like, no, not everyone needs that much bread, which right. is true. You know, my needs as somebody who runs around 30 miles a week is not the same as Jarrell's who doesn't, but yeah. you don't know that unless right. you get that individualized knowledge because otherwise we're just listening to all these people in the mainstream running around being like carbs are bad. Right. Yeah. And the majority of people, you know, if they ate the whole bread basket, um, probably not the best move, but if you've got a 20 miler coming up this weekend, or if you've got, um, if you've got, you know, if you've done like, I'm, I'm training a lot lately. And so any chance I get, like we, I, I did take out the other day and they threw in, you know, five uh, um, little bread rolls. And I was like, hell yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I have a lot of miles coming up. So uh, great. Um, so yeah, again, it's, it's all personalized. Yeah. And it's really also, it's hard to get away from those messages. I think even when you have the best intentions, I've heard from people who are, you know, wouldn't, like I said, wouldn't consider themselves athletes, but people who want to be more active, want to attend regular exercise classes, get on a bike, start running casually, whatever it is. And I remember a conversation I had with a client who was like, you know, I want to start moving more again. I used to swim. I used to do this, but I want to start just incorporating exercise back into my normal routine. And she said, oh, well, I got this plan and it told me I need to eat 1200 calories a day. Oh my and I'm looking at her, I'm like, oh my God, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> please don't do that. Not only, I pretty, I'm not a nutritionist or a medical professional, but I'm pretty sure no one should only be eating that. But especially- I mean, like a 12-year-old girl, maybe. Yeah. Right. I was going to say a that. small person, yes. Right, yeah. like if you're not, if you're a grown person. And at the same time, she was reducing caloric intake while increasing exercise. Right. And because that's what the world tells you to do, and you might not know any better unless you get the information to know better. Right. That, yeah. And that's the thing. Intuitively, uh, you might think you're doing the right thing and you might feel good about doing the right thing and you might, but then you might get injured or you might um, feel tired or, or, you know, whatnot. And then you're confused. You're like, why? But I'm doing all the right things and it's not working. Weight loss is another one where people think that this extreme caloric restriction is what's going to lead to weight loss. But in fact, extreme caloric restriction, again, I'm going to put out a disclaimer. I'm not a medical professional, uh, all of that jazz, but I, I'm surrounded by these conversations with people who are, so I hear it often and this is what they're saying. Um, the extreme caloric restriction increases cortisol levels when your cort so your stress hormone when your cortisol is high it often inhibits weight loss and you actually gain weight particularly around your midsection Probably. so yep. so you're 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 doing again what you think is right and it's having the reverse effect and compounding that uh, is the fact that you know you're gaining 
then you're gaining weight or, or your body goes into this starvation mode where um, you're, you're essentially, it's essentially fighting back to, to protect itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for somebody who maybe isn't really invested or hasn't been invested in their health and well-being before they don't, you know, consider themselves a high performance athlete or they're just getting into it, what would you say to them as to why they should invest in something like personalized nutrition with Inside Tracker or just generally personalized training plans or personalized workout schedules or anything kind of in that realm? What would you say to them if they're like, I'm not really sure this investment is worth it. I'm not a professional runner. I don't run tons of miles a week. I don't, I'm not a triathlete, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that question. And what's really interesting is this, is that during this um, COVID era, we're seeing a new type of customer and mm. they are skewing a little older. They're skewing more towards like the deep South and states that we generally have never had as, or, or don't have as many customers in. Um, and they're not athletes and they are people who realize that health is more important than ever. And they need to be more mindful about what they're doing with their body and what they're putting into it. And there's plenty of research that is linking upper respiratory infection potential and impact to um, these metabolic markers and vitamin D and um, you know all, many of the other values that we provide insight around. And so what's been fascinating is that people are not people are coming to us for more reasons now than just performance. They're saying my parents aren't healthy or my uh, I want to keep up with my kids or I want to, you know, just feel better throughout my day or at work or whatever. I'm not sleeping well. And, um, and they're, they're signing up for that reason, but I'll back up 11 years now or more. And the reason that the company was started was not to help elite athletes squeeze out an extra 1%. That was sort of a byproduct of, um, of the main mission of the company, which is to help all humans improve life and longevity through this personalized approach. And the reason for that is that the founder had a death in the family when he was very young. He said, I wanted to live forever. He was nine years old at the time. So this was a concept that he thought might be possible. I think he still thinks it's possible. I was going to say goals. We can, we can still <laughs> be high. Exactly. Well, he wouldn't believe the number of people who, who when I ask, why, why did you come to Inside Tracker? Their answer is, I want to live beyond 100. Um, and they're not joking. Um, so so nine-year-old Gil said, I want to live forever, and I'm going to dedicate my life to figuring out how to do that. So he became a scientist. He, you know, studied in some of the best labs in the world when it comes to anti-aging and that type of research with some of the, the best and brightest in the world. And he got to this pivot point where he realized he could you know, keep publishing papers and a bunch of scientists would see his research or he could start a company and help all humans improve their life. And I'm glad that he chose option B because <laughs> I love working for the company. And, and it's finally come to a point where when I asked him, when I joined, like, what's your mission? He said, I want to improve the life of every person on this planet. I'm finally starting to see like how that's going to be executed on. And it's not hyperbole anymore. And, and it's, it's actually possible. 
Um, and that's really cool. And so you don't need to be an athlete. You don't even need to be a customer of ours for us to potentially be able to have an impact on improving your life. If you think about, if you think about food and what you're eating, if you can improve the quality of, let's say, the meat that you're eating, that has a trickle-down effect. If you can improve the, the buying experience at a supermarket, so you see that the food here is um, optimized for whatever, um, knowing that maybe those animals had a, a better life or, or their, the nutrient density is higher in, in these foods for whatever reason, you don't, again, you don't need to be a customer of ours to be impacted by that. If you can, you know, walk into a supermarket and have them say, oh, hi, um, here's your personalized meal plan or, or groceries based on your body, your needs, and your preferences. Again, that's, that's a way to continue to cater and, and enrich the personalized aspect of, of how this all works. And so, yeah, we have a pretty lofty goal, and this is a long way to answer your question of what do you say to somebody who's, who says they're not an athlete? Well, we say everybody eats and everybody is different. So this is a way to um, understand, okay, what do I do next so that I feel better? Yeah, I love that. And as someone who's used it more than once, it's also very easy. It literally is like eat beans three times a week, <laughs> eat <laughs> this meat twice, like eat fish more. Once it told me to drink more wine. So that in and of itself. I remember this era. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> my husband was pretty happy about that too. He's like, yeah. oh, we have to keep the wine in the house. Fantastic. So you should use this all the time. But I think it's also just really brings up a point that a lot of people, especially in this country, in the US, default to this idea that they have to feel bad. That if it's right. difficult to get up in the morning or they're sluggish or they're tired or they have brain fog throughout the day, that we just have to live with that. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, like we said, you go to your doctor, you're told, well, you're cool, you're not dying. Like there's no major medical emergency and people are like, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna feel like crap every day at three o'clock. You don't need to. There's no reason yeah, to live that way. That's that. That's such a good point. Um, people are there's like a, uh, and I think it's the stupidest thing, but there's like a badge of honor for being tired and working harder and working oh, too yeah. hard, and and like I just love squashing that every opportunity I get, um, because like no, you shouldn't brag that you got six hours of sleep. You should brag that you got nine hours of sleep. I was, I was in a, um, it feels like 10 years ago, but I had a couple friends over, um, last fall and I, like I sleep a lot and I probably average nine hours a night or eight and a half hours a night. And that was the, the lowest average in the room. And one was a professional athlete and one was a, um, a guy who's, you know, two twenty something marathoner. And that's what it takes to, to live a high performance athletic lifestyle but to live a high performance lifestyle for professional reasons in your career it's the same thing you can't show up for a 9 a.m meeting exhausted you can't show up for a 5 p.m 4 p.m meeting exhausted and and expect to perform um i've been putting up boundaries and and sort of um like must do's or or 
the like the bare minimum that I need for me so that I can perform for others. And it's the age old or it's now more relevant than ever, put your own mask on before helping those around you. <laughs> right. Um, and that takes on a much different meaning today than it did a year ago. But um, PSA, wear a mask. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but but it's it's so true. It's like you need to help yourself before you can help those around you. And if you're bragging about getting six hours of sleep, um, it's toxic. And And yeah, maybe for some it's not a choice, but for others... Um, and I, like, I used to be guilty of this too. I'd stay up till midnight working and I'd wake up at six and do a workout. And I thought that was what you needed to do. And it's not. No, that party where everybody gets nine to 10 hours of sleep sounds like my jam. So (laughs) (laughs) we should all normalize that. Normalize parties where everyone goes to bed early and gets enough sleep and eats a solid breakfast. And that just sounds like a really good time. I'm on board. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, to just kind of sum that up is the idea of that your health should be a priority. You know, whether that's personalized nutrition, personalized training plans for workouts, or just generally making yourself a priority. I think that's the summary of all of this is that you should be taking care of yourself and you should be doing things that give you the best shot at being the best version of yourself. And you don't have to accept a lifestyle or medical advice or a training plan or a nutrition plan or a diet that doesn't allow you to do so. So to anybody who's on the fence, go check it out. We'll link to the website in the show notes. And if you, you know, need a recommendation, I'll say all day long how basically Inside Tracker just made my life a million times better because I'm not exhausted all the time. Put that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Yeah, I I will. And then negotiate those royalties, Rachel. Yes, that's the split. I have literally told anyone who listens. And, you know, it's, it's not to say... Like, like we said earlier, so I'm just saying like your doctor doesn't know any better, but I think it's just hard to, you have to understand the limitations of what you're going to do when someone's, like you said, comparing your, you to like 95% of the masses or healthy people versus somebody's actually looking at your blood work and saying, here's what you need to live your best life, not just to not fall over. So right. that's, we should all aspire to that. Live your best life, not just try not to die. Live optimally. Live optimally. I love that. Also going to be a bumper sticker. I, do people even <laughs> use bumper stickers anymore? Like we're starting this business, I feel like, and I don't even know if it's obsolete. I don't know. I've driven my car like three times in the last three months, so yeah. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is a 2021 launch. Yeah, so I think we'll, so. We'll work on that. But for <laughs> anyone who wants to keep up with you, Jonathan, how can people find you on social media, on the internet? Where can they follow you? Um, I'm JW Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T, on Instagram and Twitter. My podcast is For the Long Run, um, and on social, it's For the LR Pod. And if you go to Inside Tracker's website and you see the live chat, um, I'm usually on the other end of it. So that's that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I love that. I never knew that that was you on the end of the pod. So just going to randomly hit you up. Like, I was hey, going to say, what's up, Jonathan? On the website, just back to my own stuff, and I'm just like, hey. Just yeah, yeah. If you're bored, just come on and chat. <laughs> Will do. It's especially helpful these days because I feel like a lot more bored. <laughs> Definitely. Of and we'll put all of that in the show notes. 
Jonathan, thank you for joining us and giving us such amazing insight into this whole new world of living optimally rather than just kind of this borderline maintaining health. Um, we really appreciate it and hopefully everyone listening also appreciates it. And if you want to keep up with us, and by us I mean Jarell and I, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at vivawellnessnyc.com. And if you really like the show today, please leave us a rating and review, tell a friend, share the episode with someone else. And, you know, even if you didn't like the show, just give us five stars anyway. It'll be your good deed. <laughs> and we appreciate you joining us and hope that you do so for our next episode. Bye.